Good morning. So, I know there's an actual technological, like, computery thingy called a playlist, and, like, you can create those and send them to people. I have no idea how to do that. Um, but I can tell you your bulletin today has got to be one of the greatest playlists you could ever listen to for your souls. Man, grab those songs off whatever witchcrafty thing, computer, you use. Man, that is good stuff. The, the, to the praise of his glory, I don't know if you, you caught it, like, it is this text. It's just what Amber read. And it gets to your heart when we're singing it. And i got to tell you, congregation, y'all sang beautiful today. We, there's a reason we don't have a choir loft up here. It's actually a theological. The choir loft is right there. And when we sing together, that's exactly what Ephesians 1 is all about. Bless God because. And that's what we're going to do today. So I, I want you, if you will excuse me for just a moment... Where, where I'm going to go completely non-spiritual now, all right? I'm going to ruin everything I just said. But I want to tell you about a guy. His name's Bill Morgan. And Bill Morgan is not the type of person you would normally hear about. He's an Australian one, so, you know, there's a little distance there. He, he's a truck driver. He drove in one of those big, long chains, the, the truck chains that they use, the truck trains that go across Australia and outback. And one day... Bill Morgan had a heart attack. Out in the middle of this, they were able to get him to the hospital and put a stent in. He had absolutely no damage, nothing. He, within days, he's out of the hospital. And he could not believe how good that was. So not presumably not being a believer, he credited it to good luck. So in celebration of his good luck, he decided to go to the gas station and buy a lottery ticket. All right? So Bill Morgan, the day he gets out of the hospital, surviving a heart attack with absolutely no damage, goes and buys a scratch-off ticket and won a brand-new car. Pretty good day. So the news station hears this story and thinks, this is really cool. I mean, this is just fun. I mean, that's, that's the kind of stories, you know, like, ah, that's awesome. And so they want to film him, and they recreate the scene of this. So they tell him to go buy the same scratch-off ticket again, and they're filming this, and he scratches it off and wins 250000 Australian dollars, around $170,000 U.S. One day. That's a good day. I don't, I don't care who you are. That's, that's, a, that's a good day. Now, <clears throat> I highly advise you not waste your money on lottery tickets. There's all sorts of things of... of Wasting money, there's, there's the desire to get wealth without earning. There's all sorts of problems with that. Come to Financial Peace University, you'll hear all that. But, but I know every one of your brains, when I said lottery, there was something that clicked. You know, you knew exactly what you'd do with that first million, right? I, I, I mean, let's, let's be honest here, okay? You're in church, can't lie. And I know all of you would say, and, and you would tithe first. We get it, we get it. You actually have to double tithe if it's the lottery because that's dirty money, right? Just, just for the record, I want everybody to know that. No. And then, you know, you'd pay off your debt. You'd buy your pastor a new truck. All sort of, you, you got all that list that you'd do, right? You right? We could talk about that all day. But I, but I actually want to bring it down to our text today. 
because there's this beautiful word. It's the only time it's used in the Bible. And, and it's, it's such a complicated word, it actually takes five English words to try to get at it. it it's this amazing, amazing concept of inheritance. But it's not the normal word that Paul uses here for like someone died, you know, the great uncle you never heard of and you got a million bucks. It's not that inheritance. The word is much more akin to winning the lottery. It, it, if, if we were going to go really literal and try to pull this out, it, it would be our lot has been drawn. And I want you to, to open your Bibles, if you have one, to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 11 through 14. You don't have a Bible, grab one of those black ones there in the seat backs in front of you. Jeff always has the page number up on there for you. You can grab that. It will help you as you follow along. But the very beginning of that, and we'll read the whole thing in a minute, but I just kind of want to get this in our head. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. It's our lot has been drawn. It just, it's just that that English, it, it can't contain the richness of what Paul has said to us. And, and, and it, it kind of loses the, the impact, the, the, the thump after 2,000 years of language change, Paul is just blown away by what God has given us. And today, we're going to see in, his, in this text that God has given us so much that, that it's not just a momentary gift. It's something that keeps going and going and gets better and better and better. And there's a day coming and it just goes to a whole nother level. That's what we're going to talk about today. This is kind of the conclusion of kind of a three-week mini-series on this prayer that Paul prays, this, this um, doxological poem, as Joe called it. I, I, I was impressed. That's like $5 words there. I, I was really, but this poem praising God, he just busts out. He can't contain himself. And he says, bless God for what he's done. Bless God for what He's doing now. And today, we're going to look at how we should bless God because there's even more to come in the future. So read this with me one more time. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 11. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things, according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So I kind of want to explain this text just a little bit. Kind of hit some things so it, so it makes sense in our brains. And then we're going to pull out three more reasons we should bless God. So that's where we're going. It's kind of front-loaded. The first two are the big ones, and then the third one will be really short, but it's the fun one, all right? It's, it's the one I'm looking forward to, and I, I've been excited about since Wednesday. Just in my heart, this is so good, what God says to us. 
So in him, we have an inheritance. All right, so what I want to call your attention to is that little pronoun, we. All right? All through this text, Paul has used we, 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 we. All these things that God has done has been for us, for all God's people of all time. And then there's suddenly a switch in this passage. He goes from we being all believers of all time to some specific believers, two groups of them. So look there in verse uh, 13. We switch from the we being everybody to the we being Paul and his crew. All right, so look what happens. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ. So who he's talking about here is, is Paul and his fellow Jews. So remember, Jesus was a Jewish man, ethnically. He came to a Jewish people. He was crucified and he raised again. And the first believers were Jewish people. And, and the first churches were almost all Jewish for a long time. And then it spread out to people who were non-Jewish, Gentile. That's what that means. And so there's this spread that happens. And so Paul talks about we, the Jewish people, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. So the very beginnings, from the very first Christians, it was to praise God. And not only that, it was to expand out and tell everybody about this glorious Savior. So now look in verse 13. In him you also, Gentiles, and to my knowledge, that's probably all of us sitting in this room here. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So Paul says, okay, Gentiles. Jewish guy speaking to a Gentile church, that was a much bigger divide in his day. He's saying, you too are a part of this. And we're going to talk about the blessings that he talks about, the Holy Spirit being to the praise of his glory, the inheritance. We'll, we'll get into that here in a minute. But what I want us to get and make sure we understand as we read this scripture is Paul is saying, yes, the original group, the Jews, we are to the praise of his glory. And guess what? You Gentiles, everybody else, all of us, same boat. God has done an amazing, saving work. And you get to be in on that. That is a huge, huge excitement. That shouldn't make you feel good that God has saved people just like you. And then it switches one more time. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our... So we switch back to everybody. All right, so we got the Jews, we got the Gentiles together... The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we, all of us, acquire possession of it. So Paul says these two groups that were a huge rift, think about some of the ethnic rifts in our society today, people who just didn't like each other, didn't want to be around each other, weren't around each other by choice. Paul says God squeezed those two together in Christ. And now we, all of us, are waiting for what he's going to do. So that's the first explanation, the pronouns there. The second thing is there's kind of a, a format thing going on here. This is one long run-on sentence. But I want you to catch the two headings. Verse 11, in him. And then verse 13, in him. So everything we're about to cover, all these blessings that God has given that should in turn cause us to bless God, 
is all predicated on these two little words, in Him. It's all about Jesus. You know, we tend to have this mindset where we pray, we trust Christ, we get saved. Yes, that's all about Jesus. And then as believers, we tend to think, okay, now it's on me. I've got to figure all this stuff out. I've got to be good. Paul would vomit at that thought. As a matter of fact, Paul calls people names who does that. You see, everything, everything about the Christian life, all sinners on Christ. The way you live today, your hope, the person you pray to, the person you pray through, the coming Savior who's going to fix everything, it's all about Jesus. There was a book written a few years ago, great book. It was in, it was in the, your sermon guide last week, so I didn't feel like I would repeat it, but it's called God is the Gospel. God is the good news. And that is very much exactly what this text is getting at. Is all this good stuff, don't miss the source. It's Jesus. So let me say something to you. If you're wrestling with the claims of Christ, maybe your parents are here, maybe you feel like you got drug here today. I hope in years to come you'll be very grateful for your parents doing that. Maybe you're just coming to check stuff out. Somebody invited you. We're glad you're here. And this is a great place to ask questions. We want want to be really generous to you in giving you time to let you ask those questions. But my challenge to you today, something to think about, is who is Jesus? He is, according to Scripture, God who became a human lived a perfect sinless life, died for our sins, rose again, and now calls you to trust Him and follow Him in repentance. It means turning from your sin to Him. I would love nothing, nothing more than to talk more with you about that today. I know our other elders were, maybe the person who brought you, maybe your mom or dad. We would love to talk to you about that because that is the start in Him. All right, the final thing, big observation about this text is this is a very Trinitarian text. All right, we sang about that. That was in the prayer earlier. That was just as my my reflections were coming forth. That's what we wanted to praise God for. If you look at this text in verse 3, we're going to skip back two weeks ago. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then as you look down, in verse 7, in verse 11, in verse 13, and then there's little places at the end of sentences as well. You see, in Him, in Christ, in Him, in Him. We're talking about God the Son, Jesus Christ. And then finally today in our Scripture, you see the promised Holy Spirit, God the Spirit. The Bible teaches, well, it doesn't ever use the word Trinity. It's just a good, easy term to kind of qualify that so we can know what each other is talking about. The Bible teaches us about a Trinitarian God. Three persons, one God. And and if that doesn't make sense in your head, you're probably starting to get what we're trying to describe here. 
okay? It's not a natural concept. And every illustration tries to break down, so I am not even going to attempt to give one because someone will call me a heretic at the end. I know who you are, right? It's, it's, there's no way to grab this. I tell you, that's one of the ways... I knew Christianity was the true religion because it didn't teach about a God who was just like me. It teaches about a God who's transcendent and other and bigger than my brain can get. And so since 346 A.D., we've, we've had this little phrase as Christians that we have used to say that God is one essence, one, one being, and three persons. And this text really shows that. He doesn't switch. He doesn't go from Father to Son to Spirit. He he doesn't pick one for the instance. It's not that that just one comes out at a time, you know, used to be the Father, then in the New Testament is the Son, now it's all... No, there's none of that. God is one God and three persons. And, And when your head starts to ache, we're getting there, all right? We trust this because it's what the Scripture teaches. Okay, so now... We get to the sermon, all right? So if you want to take a long notes, I would encourage you to do so. It helps me. Um, I'm taking, this is something I find helpful. These are put out by um, Crossway. This is just the book of Ephesians, and I've got all this space to write. Um, so like this is next week's sermon. This week's sermon's over there. It's great little opportunity, and it's big print for, you know, people whose eyes aren't Fred Shanks approved, right? So first thing. We want to bless God because we have obtained an inheritance. Verses 11 and 12. Bless God because we have obtained an inheritance. If it makes your brain work better, if it pulls it out, we've won the lottery. You could write that down. That nature of our inheritance is what I kind of want to focus on right now. We have obtained an inheritance. We've been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things, according to the counsel of His will. God has planned this from the very beginning. The Bible actually says even before the foundations were laid. God had you. He knew you. The Bible talks about foreknowledge. That doesn't just mean God knows ever the future. We know that. He's omniscient. But He knew you. He cared about you. He knew your loneliness. He knew your joys. He knew your besetting sins. He knew that irritating thing that drives everybody close to you nuts. He knew it all. He loved you. And he predestined you. He set everything in the universe up to get you to him. And what a privilege. It doesn't come from us. It's not because you were special. Perhaps maybe the opposite. We see all through Scripture that that Christians usually end up being the odd birds, the, the ones that don't fit, the ones that no one wants, the poor. Revelation describes it as the wretched, poor, naked, and blind. Thrilling. That's how we fit. And God sets up an inheritance. Now, the nature of our inheritance is shown in this very verse. It's it's this odd word of, of us 
winning the lottery. And, and Paul uses it, and it's almost a double meaning. It, it, it's that we are God's lot and He is ours. We, we get the lot picked. And that key right before it, in Him that I talked about, makes it all come together. You know, we, we all think about heaven it's amazing. We can kind of create heaven in our own minds of what it's going to be like for us. It's going to have this and this and this because it's all about me and what I want. The scriptures talk about heaven. There's some very vivid descriptions, but all those questions that we would really, really like answered tend to be silent. But there's one key driving beat that comes up over and over and over and that is that heaven is all about jesus i've been going through i have this exact same book for revelation that's what i've been studying through personally this year so far it's it's been almost two months and not trying to figure out when this is going to happen and that is going to happen i have been doing one thing i have been looking for what the book of Revelation says about Jesus. And do you know what has been some of the most eye-opening, overwhelming Scripture study I've ever had in my life? And let me tell you, I have no clue how it's all going to work out at the end. And it's not that we shouldn't. It's not that we shouldn't try to figure that out and study that. But all the people I've read that talk about Revelation want to say, this is that, and this is that, and this is that, and this is that. And they seem to miss the Mack truck blaring its horn with its headlights coming right at you. And that is screaming. This is all about Jesus. You see, Jesus is the rider on the white horse. Jesus is the one making all things New. Jesus is the center of worship. Jesus is the one who opens the scrolls. Jesus is the one who brings back his saints. Jesus is the one who resurrects. Jesus is the one who judges. It's all about Jesus. Your inheritance is not everything you've always wanted. It's much better than that. It's God. It's being with Jesus. There was a very telling question asked by a pastor several years ago. He asked it like this. If you went to heaven and all your loved ones were there, no more pain, no more cancer, no more Alzheimer's, no more death, no more separation, no more frustration, all the wealth you could imagine. But no Jesus. Would you want to go? Boy, isn't that... that uh, you don't want to answer that one out loud, right? Boy, we're selfish folks. We really don't get who God is and how good God is. That Jesus, let me rephrase that, that heaven absent from Jesus is not heaven. It's just a ritzy neighborhood. 
And if you've ever driven through them, you know dogs still poop on their grass. I mean, it, 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 like, it's nothing special. Our inheritance is Jesus Christ. He is our lot. And we are His. We've won the lottery, but it's not money. It's the Almighty God, Savior of this world. And we get to know Him and love Him and be with Him forever. That's the inheritance. So bless God because you have obtained an inheritance. Second, bless God because you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, read that again with me. Let's kind of just refresh our memory so we have it in our brain. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. So today, as we stand here, we can't go give Jesus a hug. Like we don't see him. Everything's not been made new. Everything's not been made right. We still lose jobs. We still stump our toes. Our kids still get sick. Things still go wrong. And what Paul says is that bless God now because he's not waiting to give you the inheritance to whenever that day comes when either you leave this earth by death or by Christ coming back. Paul says, God's even got you now. And the way he has done that, the, the, the means of that is by working the Holy Spirit. He, he sends us his Holy Spirit. See, sometimes the inheritance we receive and the blessings we receive are so much more than money. Um, I had this all planned. I ran through this five times so I didn't tear up. I'm about to tear up. Um, it's coming up on two years since my grandfather died. It's very, very close to me. He invested so much in me. And I received something. He actually gave it to me before he passed away, um, which is even better because he was the one who gave it to me. But my inheritance wasn't a check or something like that. It was an old, rusty combination square. Um, I was actually going to bring it up here, and honestly, I forgot. It's in my backpack out there. It's, it's, if you don't know why combination square, if you're not, it's short. It's about this big. It's one foot metal ruler. It's got a cut down it, and it has a slide on it. And you can set things to measure 45-degree angles, 90-degree angles. Um, you can mark lines that are long, that are so many inches in on a board. The reason that is so precious to me is I remember as a kid, four years old, five years old, somewhere in that ballpark. He had a wood shop out back, and he made things. He was a carpenter. He was a painter. He could build anything. I remember him teaching me how to measure things on that combination square. That's worth more than a fortune to me today. Because that was what changed me. Dollars are just dollars. There's always more dollars that can be gotten. See, that inheritance, that, that seal that he gave me, 
It says, one writer put it, it's, it's being stamped with the character of the owner. And, and I'm going to use a, another word this word seal was used for. It's not, it's not glamorous, I'll be honest. It's what ranchers do to their cows. They brand them, right? Stamp, you know, double R swirling Q, whatever it is. They would stamp that on the cow so everybody knew that's their cow, right? That's the word that God uses. In Christ, so because of what Christ has done, because you are connected to Christ, God's Holy Spirit has come upon you. He's branded you. He's stamped you with His character. You're marked as His. When I got married, part of that ceremony was my wife giving me a ring and I her a ring. It's a marking. It's a symbol. It's a stamp that there has been a change. I am hers and she is mine. God has put his mark on you. And that mark isn't a static two-dimensional object like a brand. He's giving you his very self, the third person of the Trinity. God has sealed you with himself. It's an amazing thought. I, I mean, just I, even saying it, I, I don't know how to get words together that catch the magnitude of this. In Christ, through the Holy Spirit, we are sealed. We're His forever. In Christ and through the sealing of His Holy Spirit, He's changing us by His Spirit. So let me, let me note a couple things in the, the details of this text that I think help us understand some good theology that sometimes gets missed. Note the when of this happening. Verse 13, In Him you also, so you're in Christ, okay, so these are Christians, When you heard the word of truth, this is past tense, so when you heard the gospel, when you heard the message of Jesus dying, being buried, raising again, the gospel of your salvation, so when you heard all of that, the good news, and believed in him, not the first time you heard it, the time you heard it, it clicked and you trusted him as Savior. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. There's no waiting. There's no hoping for some second blessing, a, a super spiritual time. You've got to clean yourself up, and then you're really a good Christian. No, if you are a believer, you have God's Holy Spirit. Just take that in a minute. The Trinity is with you. I want to hearken back to history a little bit. Some of y'all know I love history. I, I'm, some of y'all hate that I love history. But there's, there's two things that have kind of come over church history, um, really developed kind of in the 13 and 1400s, of how do we describe the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus, like we can kind of relate, right? He, he was human. He still is human. He has a body. It's glorified now, so we don't quite get it, but like... We can kind of get it. He looks like a dude. 
He did this. He said this. God the Father. Okay, we, we know Father. Ho- hopefully we have a good example of Father. I know some of you didn't. That breaks my heart for you. But, but we can know what a good Father should be, at least in our minds. We, we can kind of, Holy Spirit. Some of you, unfortunately, the closest thing you can get to like a grappling around that is the Star Wars Force, right? Like, and that's not it. <laughs> okay. we, we don't want to go there. So I want to tell you about the person. But by the way, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, he's a person. It's not an it. It's not a thing. Not just this, you know, force out there. And so I want to go back to this. The ancient theologians, 13, 1400s, and I'm going to give you the Latin, but I'll tell you what it means, don't worry. It sounds kind of cool. Spiritus cum verbe. That was the first way they described the spirit. The spirit and the word, or really better translation is the spirit with the word. If you've ever seen um, an older church with stained glass, one of the motifs, and if I get to design anything in that over there, there's going to be one of these. Right there, there would have been a hole in that back wall drove the engineers crazy, and there was a picture of a dove, usually in stained glass so it would glow, so we could tell it was something, something more, something otherworldly. And then over here, there was a picture of a Bible, usually the same way, stained glass. And then if you go to the middle, there's a pulpit. It used to be called the sacred desk. And what they were trying to illustrate visibly to everyone is God the Holy Spirit is taking God's Word and and it is flowing out as it is read, as it is preached, as it is sung, as it is prayed to His hearers. So if you want to know how the Holy Spirit works, if you want to know what the Holy Spirit says, it's written right here for you. Here's what He says to you says, you've got an inheritance. You're in Christ. You're predestined. You're elected. You're chosen by God. You are loved. You are lavished by grace. He also says, you're to be holy like the Son. You're to praise Him. You're to glorify Him. Your life is to be a pleasing aroma. So the first way we we get the Spirit, we we kind of begin to understand some things, is think of God's Word. The Bible is not the Holy Spirit, okay? Let me be really clear here. But the Holy Spirit is who speaks to you through the Bible. It is His words. God's word is being read when we read the Bible, okay? Spiritus cum verbe, the spirit and the word. The second one, it's a little easier to understand because it sounds like our English word. Spiritus creator or creator cum recreator. Creator, recreator. The Spirit is the creator, and the Spirit is the recreator. So think back to Genesis, all right? If, if you have any Bible knowledge, if not, I'm going I'm to fill you in. Don't worry about it. When God creates the, word, or the world, He says He spoke and created the world, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the deep. It's like the Spirit of God was going over the surface like a wind. That's actually the same word in the Old Testament, Spirit and wind and holding everything together and shaping it and sculpting it as God the Father spoke and the spirits and the word Jesus went forth. The Spirit created. And specifically, these old theologians, 
applied it to two things. And, and I want you to get this because this is so good. Spiritus creator cum recreator. Spirit, the creator and the recreator of the believer. So when Jesus died for you, his blood was shed 2,000 years ago. There's a gap there. I don't know if you realize that, right? And we are hard-hearted sinners. God the Holy Spirit comes to you, and the Bible uses the word rejuvenation, new life, being born again. There is something in us that happens that, that quickens us, is the old theological word. It makes us alive. That's, that's the better modern English. The Holy Spirit comes, and, and He creates in you a new heart. Jeremiah put it like this. He took away the heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh. And so the Holy Spirit applies Christ's blood to you and lights the spark. So I, I tried to burn some wood yesterday. thought, eh, it's been dry enough. I've got some sticks that have piled up over the summer. So I piled them all up, tried to get it going, and it, nothing happened. All right? It was still too wet, like deep in the wood. I thought it was dry enough. It would not burn. And I used pine straw and wax. I mean, I threw sawdust. Wouldn't get going. That's our hearts apart from the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what you throw at it. Our hearts are full of sin. But God's Holy Spirit comes and wakes you up. And then we trust Christ. We repent or turning from our sin to Christ. That's the responsibility. That's the response of people. It's not a work. It's not something we do to please God. It's that there's been life created and we respond by saying, yes, Jesus, please keep going. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He creates us. But not only does He create us, He recreates us. God doesn't leave you the person you used to be yesterday. He's not done. Re remember the Scriptures? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He is not done. He, he is the Holy Spirit. You know why we call Him that? Because He's holy. Like, it's, it's His being. spoke with um, one of our ladies who's a, a counselor this morning. We were just talking about, we can see people who used to be like this, and now they're not. They're a lot more like Jesus. Man, that's good. Think back on your life, what you used to be. You may not be what you should be. As a matter of fact, I can tell you you're not. But you're not who you used to be. That's the work of the Spirit in you. And so let me challenge you today as far as application is. One, know that. Be comforted by that. But two, follow the Spirit. The Bible talks about grieving the Spirit. That's when we don't listen. We fight against it. We fight against His holiness. But the second thing that the Spirit creates and recreates, it's the church. On the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, God creates the first local church. 
His spirit comes. They actually have these little tongues of fire. It's really weird. It says above their heads. I mean, who, who knows? One-time thing. And they actually start speaking other languages. There's all these people around from all over the world. They start speaking their languages so they can share the gospel with them. It's a miraculous, mind-blowing thing. And out of that comes the first local church. And God, all through history, God the Holy Spirit has ignited the fires and created new churches. He's doing it all the time. He, he, 12 years ago, took a mess and then put that in a dumpster fire and somehow created this church out of it. I can tell you, there's nowhere on this globe I'd rather be on a Sunday morning than with you, brothers and sisters. He creates a church, but he recreates the church. A dear brother in Texas, we prayed for him earlier. Ryan went to seminary together, and he's pastoring church. He's been there six and a half years now. The church is 180 years old on the border with the United States and Mexico. I mean, there weren't, I didn't know there were people there, you know, 180 years ago, much less time to start a church. It's in the middle of nowhere. Faithfully preaching God's word every Sunday. They've had four deacons ever since he's been there. It's because they're the only four people who are willing to do it. Same ones. Nobody else wants the job. They won't, they refuse to do it. He's had the same committee, stewardship committee, for all those years. Because they're faithful, but there's this little remnant there that they're doing it. And you know what? They baptized two adults and two teenagers last year. First time that baptistry's been wet in a while. Because God is faithful to recreate his church. And it's easy to see in a place like that where a church has been dead for a while and God's bringing in new life. But let me tell you, it's here. It's in our church. He is recreating us today by the preaching of his word, and not because I'm special or Joe's special or anything like that. He's just, we just happen to be the guys he picked for that. By the singing of his word, by the reading of scripture, by the God is recreating you to look more like Jesus by his Holy Spirit and be a better person in this church. I need you, and you need me, and God is using us to stir up faith in each other because it's hard out there you get beat up sometimes every week but you can come here and there's other brothers and sisters who are going to love you and say the same thing hold in there brother hold in there sister last thing about the holy spirit this is this is not ancient although it's been taught since Christ. Listen to the word, read the word, but know you are not alone. You're not alone. That moment, that dark time, you are not alone. There are times I struggle just with unexplainable, just weight. Uh, Spurgeon called it the darkness of the soul. David said, it's like my bones are wasting away. There's just times for me and some other people that come. That moment, you are not alone. You're not alone. 
God's Holy Spirit is with you. When you think everyone else has fallen off, let me say this to you. If, if you're single and struggling with that, maybe just isolation is screaming at you. Maybe there's a missionary listening to this podcast that's out there. Maybe health is taking you away from the gathering of the saints every week. God the Spirit is with you. He is giving you comfort. And it may be hard, but He's there. And He loves you. He loves you. So I'm going to do, re- do a quick review. Three-week review. Again, we're, we're finishing everything up. I have one more point. It's going to be quick. But I want us to think about this. What has God said in this passage? What has God said for the last three weeks? And I just want to read them to you. Just listen. Bless God because we have been blessed in Christ. Bless God because we have been given Christ status. Bless God because we have been adopted in Christ. Bless God because we have redemption Bless God because we have forgiveness. Bless God because we are lavished with grace. It's it's poured out on us in uncontrollable amounts. Bless God because He is making known the mystery of His will. Bless God because He will unite all things in Christ. Bless God because we have obtained an inheritance. Bless God because we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. But at the beginning, I told you, this is about the future. There's, there's the past, what God has done, what is God doing, and what will God do? It's good. I'll tell you one more quick story. I got to go hunting, hog hunting. I've hunted several times. I've failed a lot. Um, and just... Because I was doing so well, I decided to make it harder and got a bow instead of a rifle. Um, I got to go hog hunting. And I was so excited about this. It was on vacation last year down in Florida. I was pumped. Took my daughter with me. We got to go out. We sat in the stand for four hours. Bless her heart. She had to put up with me for that. She had a book. But I mean, my eyes were just glued, just waiting. So you're, you're up in a treehouse. Yeah, let's call it, it's a man tree house. Out there looking, you know, for an animal to come out. And every rustle of a leaf, I thought, oh, it's, it's the hog, it's the hog, it's the hog. Didn't see, saw some little piglets, like, didn't ever get shoot. And my, my daughter was like, when's the hog come out? That was like, don't know, may not, didn't. <laughs> and I told her, sweetie, you got to understand, just, just being out here, having you out here, this, this is just a dream. It's go- it was spectacular, beautiful. We, got so- we saw some deer that were just gorgeous. I said, this, this experience was enough. It was good enough to make it worth it. Inside, I'm like, where's the hog? You know, trying to be the good dad. And I was trying to even in my own mind, like, this was incredible. Uh, our guide came up. And a little side-by-side, and he said, quick, grab your stuff, hop in. I saw some hogs. And I mean, we beat it through. I mean, it's holding on, shaking around. And I see way off in the distance, there's some hogs out there. And we, we walk out there. I left my, my daughter. We put, it, put the thing in a, 
um, thorn bush so nothing could get to her, knew she was safe, and he and I walk off trying to get that. End of the story is, we got to shoot the hog. It was, it, was, it was a big old thing, about 130 pounds. It was cool. I mean, it was, I shot it. It was just, <gasps> I, mean, I don't even remember shooting it. That's the crazy thing. That's how excited I, like, I, it happened. There was an arrow in the uh, pig's dead, you know. So excited. And I thought, this is it. This is it. It's just the best. But then, the next morning, we got home late. We butchered the thing up. I cooked eggs and wild hog backstrap. It was probably the best meal I've ever eaten in my life. It got even better. See, just like the lady in the old preacher story who was buried with a fork because at all the family gatherings she always told everyone keep your fork dessert's coming she said it's not over when you lay me in that coffin in that ground leave me the fork dessert's coming see one day we will actually get the inheritance we will be with jesus we will be in the presence of God the Father, fully understanding the Holy Spirit. One day we will meet Jesus. One day we'll receive a sinless, cancerless, Alzheimer-less, depressionless, unbroken body. One day we'll get to live in a place where we fit perfectly. One day we will actually get to be who Christ has made us to be. One day we won't struggle. One day we're not just in Christ, sealed with the Spirit, blessed by the Father, we are internally with Him, singing and dancing as adopted, redeemed, united, lavished upon, loved kiddos. One day. See, we bless God. Because the best is yet to come. God, may we bless you because we've been blessed in you, Jesus. We are made in you now. We bless you, God, because we have been given your status. Jesus, we bless you, God, because we've been adopted. We bless you because you've redeemed us. We bless you because you've forgiven us. We bless you, God, because you have lavished your grace upon us. We bless you because you are making known more and more through your word, the mystery of what you're doing. We bless you because you will unite all things in you, Christ. We bless you because we've obtained an inheritance. And we bless you because we've been sealed in the Spirit. And God, today we bless you because the best is yet to come when we see you face to face. Lord, may we worship you and sing to you your people. And Lord, I pray for anyone who is struggling, who needs to talk. Lord, help us to do that. Father, I pray for anyone here who is considering you, that you would bring them to yourself. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen.